0: opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional and the author of several books including Safeguard Your Identity, Protecting Yourself with a Personal Privacy Audit, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California Legislature. She served as a privacy expert for numerous court cases nationwide and at a White House press conference featured on C-SPAN. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit kci.org slash privacypiracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning?
1: Good morning, Lloyd. Yes, we have a wonderful guest. We're going to be speaking about privacy in the European Union and in England and how it's similar and different to the United States. And we have a wonderful guest coming to us right here in California. But he's actually from England. He's visiting to do a speaking engagement in Irvine. And so we're just thrilled to have Robert Bond with us. His middle name is James, so we have James Bond with us. And he is head of data protection and cybersecurity at Charles Russell Speechless LLP. And you can find out more about his website at our website at kuci.org/privacypiracy, but also you can go to crsblaw.com, and there you can find out more about him. But let me tell you a little bit about his background, and then we'll be happy to have him speak with us. Robert Bond is a partner and notary public at Charles Russell Speechless LLP a certified compliance and ethics professional, and he is a solicitor, which is like an attorney in this country. He provides international notarial services and also specializes in privacy, IT, IP, and compliance. He's a legal expert and author in the fields of e-commerce, computer games, media publishing, data protection, information security, and cyber risks. And, you know, these are huge issues right now. He's named in the National Law Journal's list of 50 governance risk compliance trailblazers. He's listed in the top 10 in who's who of information technology lawyers in 2014 and in best lawyers in the U.K., and also in who's who of telecommunications, media, and technology in 2015. He specializes in data protection and information security law, and he's done that since 1983. He's chairman of the governance board of the Data Protection Network. He's in the UN Global Privacy Pulse Privacy Advisory Group. He's on the Big Data and Analytics Council of Tech UK. And he's on the advisory board of the Data Protection Academy of Malaysia. And he's a privacy ambassador for Privacy Design by Design in Canada, like me, and I am too. And he's on the advisory panel of the College of Law for their Legal Network TV. And... He has uh, published as an as an author negotiating software contracts, published in its fifth edition in two thousand thirteen by Bloomsburg, Bloomsbury Professional, and Software Contracts published by Toddle and also Negotiating International Software Licenses and Data Transfer Agreements, and that's published by Sweet and Maxwell. You can find out a lot more about him and how to get that software if you want at crsblaw.com. So welcome to California. Thank you for joining us.
2: Oh, thank you, Mari, for such a... uh a great invitation, and of course, it's beautiful weather in Southern California, and I'm just enjoying being with another ambassador for Privacy by <laughs> yeah, Design. exactly,
1: exactly, and just to uh, see the sunshine, and how was it back in England when you were...
2: Uh, it's raining today. Oh, okay. As it normally will.
1: <laughs> okay, so we're glad that you're joining us to have the good weather. So first of all, how is it that you became a techie and you got into privacy law?
2: Well, back in about 1979, I just qualified as a lawyer and I was doing corporate and commercial work. But my next door neighbor, who was 18 and I was 24 at the time, uh, kept me awake at night with these strange noises coming through the apartment wall. And I said to Malcolm one morning, what on earth do you do in the middle of the night? And he said, come in. Uh, This is this is a motherboard. I'm just doing a variation on space invaders. So there he was as an 18-year-old boy. Uh, he wanted a company setting up. I did that for him. And then the next thing, he got a deal. And I had to do a games publishing agreement. We didn't even call them computer games in those days. It was video games. Right. And one thing led to another. And I ended up doing the Tomb Raider franchise work. I acted for Electronic Arts, uh, Maxis and the Sims, Lucas. And wow. a lot of what I was doing was... was in the early days, was dealing with licensing, but being really aware that kids were starting to give stuff away, you know, about themselves when they were registering and so on. And I started to think, actually, data protection could be quite an interesting area of law.
1: Yes, you were really ahead of the game. Of course, that must have been a lot of fun with the video
2: games. It was great fun. And uh, I think in about 1983, we had this data protection bill, Uh, Coming through Parliament in the UK and I took a look at it and thought yeah, I think there might be some um, Work to do here. I had no idea that you know here in 2015 I would be doing almost nothing but data privacy. Yes,
1: it's such a huge area So let's talk about the data privacy law that you have in in the EU and in England because it's very different from here.
2: Very different to the U.S. Um, obviously, the U.S. has a very sectoral approach yes. towards privacy. Patchwork. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got your, your HIPPA and your COPPA and Graham Leach-Bliley and so on. Right. And the European approach is to have one law that simply says, if you're dealing with personal information about living individuals, then here are the rules by which you have to play. Right. The The big difference, I guess, is is that we have all this law... But until recently, we've not had the sort of size of enforcement that maybe the FTC and more recently the FCC uh, have had. So often I find U.S. attorneys and the U.S. regulators saying, what is the point in the EU having this gold-plated law? (laughs) And then you do nothing about enforcing it.
1: Yes. Well, do each of the commissioners kind of enforce it? I had a guy on from Austria, and they seem to have a pretty active a uh, privacy commissioner in Austria aren't they the ones that sued uh, Google or something or uh, Facebook well, it, Facebook right yeah yeah, yeah. Ma- max
2: schrem is right. the guy that's just taking yeah. the, the facebook i mean the interesting thing is is that we have this what we call a directive in yes. europe uh, and it basically says to each of the 28 member states here's the laws you know here's what you have to implement locally yes but each country implements in slightly different ways so instead of having one rule across the whole of the EU we've got 28 different interpretations yes and 28 regulators again giving <laughs> slightly different guidance right. and that's really difficult for an international business because yes. it wants certainty yes and certainty isn't what it gets
1: Right. But at least you have this one law so they can all look at that law and then hopefully comply with that law and argue that, look, we're we're complying with the letter of the law. Whereas in our country, we have different states have different laws. So California is very privacy conscious. You know we're the, probably the most privacy conscious. Ne- you know, and then Wisconsin is next. But um, it's it is hard for companies in the United States too because you're looking for like how do we comply?
2: Yeah, and and, and businesses oh. want a one size fits all approach. Right. And of right. course, the reality is you can't have a one size fits a one size no. all fits approach. You've got a you have to do localization. yes, and, and that's mostly what I spend my time doing is helping U.S. headquartered companies manage this patch, this yes. network, this, this patchwork of yes. laws yes. outside of the U.S.
1: Yes, and then they have to worry about it inside, too. True, so they have to course. have their own. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's pretty insane. So in terms of the data privacy law, I think it's important for um, U.S. companies people and U.S. companies to understand the difference in terms of consent, because you have um, opt-in, so to speak, and we have mostly opt-out so will you kind of explain that to my audience remember our our show airs at the University of California Irvine so we have students but we have businesses driving by we have people listening to the podcast we have privacy officers so uh, kind of make it so everyone would understand the difference in terms of opt-in opt-out
2: okay so Years ago, I think there was that famous quote by Scott McNeely of Sun Microsystems. Yes. You have no privacy, get over it. <laughs> right. And right. we are completely the other way, which is that privacy is almost a human right yes. in the EU. And therefore, you can't assume that individuals agree to their data being collected, big data analytics, um, marketing, etc. So yeah. our default position is, I have privacy, get used to it.
1: Yes. And therefore, businesses... (laughs) I have to give you my consent to use it. Therefore,
2: businesses have got to accept that they've got to persuade individuals why they should agree to something being done. So we have very much a uh, express or explicit consent Prior
1: consent, yes.
2: So businesses need to have transparent, plain language privacy notices that says... We love your privacy these are all the things that you get for free and in exchange this is why we would like your information can you say yes right. and of course the big risk is is that many marketing people say to me but nobody ever ticks a box to say yes oh. why can't we pre ticket it and the answer yeah. is no you can't <laughs> right and yeah I think that the, the, the younger generation work on that basis all the way around the world yes the trouble is is that you know if the uh, privacy is the new oil of the internet, or data which is the new oil to be. of the internet, yeah, yeah. Uh, then you better make sure that you don't have a gusher. So you need to make sure that your database, which you know, is what your company is being valued on, right. is actually worth the paper it isn't written yes. on. And that's becoming a big issue as companies start to do mergers and acquisitions, do right. IPOs, do venture capital. The lawyers are starting to say, well, can you prove that you have a right to all of this data that you've been collecting for the last one year, five years, 10 years? Right. Because if you can't, then it's not worth what your merchant bank says it's worth.
1: Right. And that's and, becoming and that, a, that's yeah. a big issue now. And, and, and it really is a big issue if there's a big company and they go bankrupt and they want to sell their data to pay off their debts. but." You know, if someone gave them permission, are they giving a new company? Are they giving who they're selling it to? Do you know what I mean? mean, That's a huge issue, too. You
2: know, even back in the dot-com boom, uh, I remember we had a client who was buying a company that had gone into receivership. Yeah. uh, And the uh, insolvency practitioners were saying, this database is worth X million. Right. Right. We took a look at the privacy policy of that company, and it said, you know, we love your data so much, we we will share it with no one. Right. And we said, well, Mr. Insolvency Practitioner, you can't sell this. Right. Um, We'll take it off your hands for a a few bucks, but we're not going to pay you X million because we're buying something toxic.
1: Right. Right. No, and I think that's good. I think people want to rely on that privacy policy that they, that they saw on the web or that they signed or whatever, yeah. So you've written about the data privacy conundrum. and What do you mean by that?
2: So you've got this issue uh, that government wants everything. Right. The citizen, unfortunately, gives everything away, and business needs everything. In right. terms of data. Right. And I'm not quite sure at the moment that there is a win-win situation. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've, Mr. Edward Snowden has said, look at all this stuff that is being done in terms of snooping and collecting of data. Right. Is this fair? Is this reasonable? And everybody's woken up to the fact, wow, this really is happening. And, and it you, wasn't
1: transparent to yeah, absolutely no, to then, anyone. Yeah,
2: and then you've got individuals that really don't understand privacy and really don't understand exactly how far and wide their data is being shared and collected and so on. Right. Uh, because there's no real education going on. No. At the you know the young end of the market, let alone the the, the you know folks of our age. Right. Um, and then you've got business that actually needs data you know the the eu talk about the digital economy and that data is the new oil of the internet exactly and yet businesses have got to jump through hoops have got to be concerned about what might be hacked you know there's that uh, you, you had that famous bank robber willie sutton yeah uh, you know, who used to say, well, I rob banks because that's where the, the money, money is. is yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, if you're holding valuable big data, right. then that's where the money is. So don't be surprised if you get hacked.
1: Exactly. So let's talk about big data. Everybody's talking about big data. And I don't know if my audience really understands what to me mean by big data.
2: Okay. So there is all this information out there that a company has or a company can acquire lists that they can buy in governments want to uh, merge data sets you know between the 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 uh, IRS data with the driving license data with health data with insurance data and the whole idea yes. of big data is It's not actually... Mega databases. Well, it is, but big data means nothing. Actually, big analytics is the key issue. Right, right. Just having loads of information is just a risk. But if you've got good analytics, good algorithms that can make sense of the data... right then there's some fantastic stuff that can be done with it. You know, and if, pre-
1: if, if, if you can anonymize it, too, that's even sure. better. Yeah. Sure.
2: And it's not always personal data. There's right. lots of stats, like pre- we- predicting weather patterns, predicting outbreaks of Ebola, you right. know, those sorts of issues. Sure. Um, predicting uh, where parts of the country are more in need of certain drugs for diabetes or whatever. There's fabulous stuff Or even, stuff even out there. like,
1: electric You know, yeah. 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 So all that stuff. So
2: there's lots of valuable stuff. The difficulty is that in amongst all of this information, there is personal data. Yes. And we've already seen in the UK, when our government decided that they were going to ask um, doctors and uh, pharmacies to share patient data with the government for good predictive analytics purposes, Mm. they made an assumption that patients would say on a problem. The reality was, patients said, uh, "No, you know, not in my backyard."
1: Right, right,
2: right. And so they've had to scrap that and go back and think, "How do we? How do we induce consent? Mm. Because we can't just take particularly sensitive health data right. and start sharing it around." And so, right. when I, the work I'm doing with the United Nations is around producing big guidance for big data (laughs) so it's not about the law per se it's about should there be codes of ethics Mm. when these types of big data analytics are being carried out so that the human rights of the individual are not severely impacted
1: right Well, I think Europe is a little bit more scared than the United States because you had Germany that was already – isn't that some of the kind of the history that – talk a little bit about that because Mm -hmm. the Germans was collecting everything and they could find out, you know, who was a Jew, who was this, who was that, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And history uh, does have a huge impact on why we are so gold-plating privacy and why we do see it as a human right. right. So. It's not just uh, the sort of legacy of of Nazi Germany. Right. It's the same with Vichy France. Um, It's the same with the Baltics and East Germany. So it's the whole Stasi-type issue. And that's why when um, Sarbanes-Oxley... Mandated anonymous whistleblower hotlines, you know, yes, for financial yes, impropriety. Yes, yes. Several countries said, no, we're not allowing anonymous uh, reporting because if you think back to yeah. what happened, uh, you the know, the Nazis,
1: with, yeah. yeah
2: it, an- anonymous information is collaboration,
1: yes. and we
2: don't like collaborators, and that's why right. I have one client that has had a whistleblower hotline since 2006 in yes. France, and they have never, ever had anybody use it Wow. because the workers just will not inform, and that's wow. what they see a yeah. hotline as. Yeah. So there's a lot of history that you have to remember, and and I've used the word ethics before, but there are ethical issues here that you're mm-hmm. not just going to wipe away so the history is important as to why we are where we are yeah uh, although i know that you know germany is being forced to rethink its particularly um, protective position for um the rights of individuals, particularly as a result of that recent crash, where I don't know whether it's reached the news over here, but the, the uh, pilot yes. of a oh, plane of course,
1: of course. Um, who had, had medical had privacy they have, had
2: they have known that there was this, right. which he was he was quite able to not disclose to his employers, right. they would have probably never had him flying the plane. So I think that there are some lessons now being yes, learned. Yes, yes, um, and this is the conundrum, especially
1: that, mental. Sure,
2: sure, but I mean, this is the conundrum. Yeah, it is. Individuals have rights. Right. Government wants everything. Individuals don't understand privacy, and businesses genuinely need this data because that's you know that's the this is the biggest asset that a business has.
1: Yes. Yeah. I think something like with the pilots, if they reveal it to their employers, you know, they're going to have to their doctor will have to reveal it to their employer. You can carve out certain things because that's for public safety, you know? So, you know, I mean, you're going to have to carve out things. I mean, to just have a, you know, totally everybody sees my medical records. No, I mean, if I had to have a certain thing that they wanted to see my medical records to make sure that I was capable of doing my job, then they shouldn't be able to share it with anyone else, but they should be able to say no I can't sure. I can't have this job yeah. yeah but yeah yeah oh yeah we all saw that for sure so when we um, I know one of the big things that, that you're concerned about is um, students young people uh, privacy so should we be teaching privacy in the school I, I, we're not doing that right now
2: that's right and, and um, back in 2008 um, I set up in our law firm, a um, project which mm-hmm. we called the I in Online, I as in Information, yes. I as in Me, and, and I as in Eyes. Yes. And the idea was to go into schools. Uh, initially, it was teaching 16 to 18 year olds how to manage your reputation online. So it wasn't particularly about the dark side of the right. web, it was more about just think. Uh, how far and wide the data goes when you post something. In those days, yes. it was MySpace. Now it would yes. be Snapchat and and, yeah. and Facebook, Twitter and Twitter, so on. Twitter,
1: yeah, everything. But
2: um, it was it was so successful that suddenly we found we were being asked to go into tens, hundreds of schools. Uh, now we're dealing with kids as young as eight who yes. are quite happily on facebook and we ask you know i go into a yeah. classroom and i say how why are you on facebook at the age of eight i li- <laughs> i lied about my age my sister <laughs> signed me up and there were two uh, twin girls who said in unison my mum said it would be good for us uh, half an hour later in that classroom they admitted that they were in regular exchanges with a man
1: oh my goodness
2: yeah the teacher goes ash and white. Uh, the headmistress says, we had no idea. Will you come and talk to the parents? And I said, I'd love to do a parents' evening. Uh, it was set up and then canceled through lack of interest. And that's one of the hey. worrying things is the yeah. kids the kids understand technology. Better they, than their and parents. And they don't understand privacy. Right. And the parents don't understand either. Right. And we don't have, you know, we have a, a highway code. So, you know, I keep saying you would not put your child on a bicycle on the pavement if you didn't think they understood where to cross the road safely or that a car will kill you. Right. But you give your child a tablet or a smartphone. You just put them in an Indy 500 car with no idea as to how to drive. No rules of the road. (laughs) So, you know, you wonder whether, in fact, we should be having... Uh, training in schools we should be uh, and i think we should be looking at more simplified privacy notices for kids that use things like um uh, club penguin you know that that are on social media right that's more iconography based yes so yeah. things that don't need words right that still right. get the message across yeah but that's going to take quite a time i think yes. and it's it's It should be government that drives this
1: yes, you know, we have a big problem here with cyber bullying I don't know and then you know revenge porno. I don't know. Do you have have that? that Oh,
2: yeah, yeah massive. Yeah, yeah Yeah.
1: See this is the kind of thing we you know I, I met this mother at a conference and her daughter had committed suicide over some of the cyber bullying And so we're seeing more of that. So are you dealing with that, too, in your... Well, actually,
2: we have in Europe. uh, The European uh, Commission has set up something called the Safer Internet Center, which Mm -hmm. I'm actively involved with in the U.K. Um, And what that does is does go into schools, and it teaches safe Internet use. Yes. So that is focusing on the sexting and the cyberbullying and so on and the revenge porn mm-hmm. type things um, because it is a growing area. And there's so many, particularly with, with girls, there's so many girls are um, concerned that they must have more likes mm. than their friends. And so they're doing yeah. things to get the likes without yes. understanding really what they're doing. Yes, And I think there's an awful lot of innocence being lost even though the internet is a magnificent thing yes there's a lot of innocence being lost simply because there is so much stuff that is available that is bad yes. as well as good
1: right right and it's happening so quickly you know we can't even keep up and you're you're a techie you know and i'm i'm better than a lot of my friends so uh, but I think it's just really hard because the kids are living it like constantly and it's constantly changing and there isn't any transparency and parents can't keep up with their kids. It's uh, it's it is. It's a real challenge, I think.
2: I'll have to tell you a funny story if you'll allow me to. But uh, a couple of years ago, I needed to engage a uh, lawyer in Canada.
1: On mm-hmm. a particular
2: piece of work. Yes. And I sent uh, this guy an email and said, could we have a conference call tomorrow? Yes. We've got a new client for you. And he said, that's absolutely fabulous, but I'm working at home tomorrow. Uh, can can you use this number? Um, we we uh, rang up. Um, there was no answer. Um, we rang again. No answer. Um, he was clearly logged on to the conference call, but there was nothing happening. So I sent an email and I said, Charles, are you going to get on the call? Right. And I got this email, came back straight away that said, just go yourself. <laughs> and I, th- I, I sat there and I, I emailed the guy back and I said, I presume from that that you don't want any business. <laughs> He rings me about two minutes later, and he says, I do apologize. He said, I'm at home today because I'm looking after my sister's eight-year-old boy. Oh, my. And I'd stepped out of the room to just make a cup of tea, and I came back and found him <laughs> at the keyboard, and I had no idea that he had sent that really expletive word to you. Oh, my gosh. And I said, no, 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 I can quite understand. And he says, mind you, he said, you should have seen what he'd sent to his grandmother. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> And that's the trouble. I don't think the, yeah. the child understood no. what he was really saying. No. But he just picked this up from somewhere or other and, you know, sat at the yeah. keyboard and told me where to yeah. get off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but sometimes people, adults, send things where they're mad and they quickly send something. You know, I see this as a mediator when they're sending things back and forth and I, I'm copied on something. And I'm going, oh, my God, you wouldn't, you don't stop and think. It's too fast.
2: Yeah, yeah, and of course businesses have got to educate their staff. Yeah. That, you know, you need to think before you hit send. Yes. Because what we're seeing a huge increase in, which... I'm not sure if the same right exists in the U.S., but in Europe, individuals have a right to know what you are processing about them. We call it a subject access right, and they can write to a business and say, my name is, is Joe right. Smith. yes, yes, yes. I believe you've got data about me. Right. Uh, here is my request for you to reveal everything that you have about me.
1: Right, yes, they have that in California, and not of every course, stay. The
2: trouble is, is that usually the people that are writing in are not happy in the first place, maybe right. it's a disgruntled consumer or a former employee right. and the last thing that you want is, is that smoking gun in an email where you think why did my colleagues say that Right, Because now it's in... Then you
1: have to train your staff.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You really
1: have to train your staff, and especially if you're using staff from Pakistan or India, you know, and they they don't have the kind of savvy that we would have here in the United States or the the particular uh, social mores that you would have in England, right? I mean, everybody's got their own style, and and it's uh, crazy. We don't have a lot of time, so I just want to ask you one question, and we'll make it really short. Um, tell me, well, we are just out of time. We'll have to have you come back and talk more about the Internet of Things because I think that is just fascinating stuff, and I know you're going to be talking about that here in Irvine. So thank you so much. We are wonderful Robert James Bond We will we'll have you back again. And you've been listening to KUCI, 88.9 FMN Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. right here on KUCI. Visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Thanks. Stay private.
0: The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.